Hello, and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. This week, we're talking about Season 6, Episode 22, Speechless. We are almost at the end of the season of Will and Grace. Woo! And what a weird way to do it. Too. Yeah. It's, like, it's a... Will and Grace is coming into a weird closer. It's like... I don't, I don't even know what the reasoning for this episode being the way that it is. I is. know the reasoning. The, many people may not know this, but Deborah Messing was actually the first woman to become pregnant on TV. What? <laughs> but yeah, Prior to this, TV writers had no idea how pregnancy works. They were all grown in laboratories. Oh. I know. The unseen history of TV comedies. This is the first natural pregnancy to ever happen. Yes. Uh, to a television actor. That's why pregnancies don't make any sense on sitcoms. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. Like how like someone will have a baby in one season and the next season the baby's five. Right. And then sometimes they have a baby and then the baby's gone for no explanation even though the baby has no other parents to take care of it. Yeah. Um, but, but really it does kind of seem like they... I don't know what, I don't know what could have happened. I mean... I, we haven't done too much digging into Deborah Messing's personal life this season. No. Um, we're not, frankly, that invested. I mean, Deborah Messing is lovely, but... But, you know, it's not really our business where she was. We right. know she was pregnant and that made... And perhaps there is some element of Deborah Messing realizing, you know what, I'm really too pregnant to film these last four episodes where I was clearly supposed to be here. Um, but if I remember right from kind of reading ahead, I don't believe she's in the finale episodes next week, or, well, the next two weeks, I can, either. I can either confirm or deny due to our spoiler policy. Right. Um, but either way, I mean, it, it seems like this episode and the prior episode were kind of written for Grace to be there. Yeah. And she's just not. Yeah. Um, so and yeah. It's, it's throwing off the whole end of the, the series, or the season, you know? I mean, it's, it's a weird shift because... The show is called Will and Grace! Well, I mean, that, that too, on top of that, but it's just, there's so... It seems like they didn't really think about the best way to actually do it. Mm-hmm. It would have made more sense if Grace had had, like, a big episode a couple weeks back where they said, you know what, I'm going to go fix my marriage. Yeah. Um, that could have gotten her an excuse to leave the show for a while. And I don't know what the filming style of Will and Grace is, but many sitcoms and many other shows film out-of-order episodes. It is strange to me that they didn't choose to film one at some point that wouldn't have necessitated, you know, you know what I mean, like film an episode early on and then kind of write towards that ending. Yeah, since it seems like that's what they're kind of doing, anyways. Yeah, so it's it's weird not having Grace here, and there's a few throwaway lines to sort of couch why she's not there, and they don't really excuse her absence, and it just mostly feels weird. Yeah, I thought it was kind of like it was dumb, but also it was kind of funny because it was like, oh yeah, we forgot to wake up Grace. Well, she doesn't care anyways. She would want, she wouldn't care to miss this, so. Yeah. All Let's right. do the episode description, and then we'll talk more about the plot of this week's episode. Okay, so season six, episode 22, Speechless. On the eve of his graduation from nursing school, Jack turns to Will for help writing his commencement address. I am proud of this episode of Will and Grace. For Me two too. reasons, and I'll tell you the first one first, which is usually the order in which you declare things. Thank you, Purd. Um, <laughs> the first reason I'm proud of this episode is because literally not 30 seconds after I said, okay, this is ridiculous, clearly Jack is not ready to graduate. He's only been in nursing school for like five months. The episode straight up says, now Jack, tell me again how you did graduate nursing school after being only in for five months. And had quite a satisfactory answer. It was a very lovely hand wavy answer about how Jack took a trip to Mexico and apparently got some credits there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then the, the the joke kind of continues the rest of the episode where there are jokes about whether or not this nursing school is in fact accredited by any sort right. of accreditation society. And based on what we've seen so far, no. I'm guessing not. Yeah. Yeah, this seems like a scam. This is like Herzing University times 12 or something. I mean, it seems like Jack has learned how to care about people, which mm-hmm. I'm not disputing. That's debatable. <laughs> I think that might have been the curriculum. I'm not debating that's a useful skill for Jack to learn. But it doesn't have that much to do with nursing. And so far, the only actual nursing we saw him doing was one time when he was labeling the bones in the arm. Well, they do say l- that 50% of nurses are in the bottom 50% of their class. You know, I actually did read a very interesting study recently. This is off topic completely. But it's about how a lot of nurses um, tend to be mean girls from high school. Yes. Like, there is, like, studies that show, like, trends of aggression in younger people. In, uh, in men, they tend to go on to aggressive fields like cops. Mm-hmm. Um, and lawyers and with women they go into aggressive caring professions like nurses and then they complain on social media about all the malpractice they're causing well that's because women are intelligent and subtle and men are stupid no what i'm saying is that these women aren't terribly intelligent and subtle because no but i'm saying they're more intelligent and subtle because they're not going into like really obvious like look at me i'm very aggressive i'm a police officer yes they go like look at me i'm so nurturing and caring i'm a nurse well i deny you your pain meds (laughs) oh don't watch nurse jackie kids it's not worth it not worth it not even for that lady meryl the other meryl the one who's on Nurse Jackie and is adorable. Fabulous. Not the one who's on Big Little Lies and did not have ice cream thrown at her. That's just a tragedy. Um, the other thing I'm proud of this episode of Will and Grace for, and I think we can skip to the end of the episode since it's kind of a very compact plot. There's not a lot to re- no, not reveal, so. Yeah. Um, I'm very proud that at the end of it, Jack realizes he doesn't want to be a nurse. Because, duh. Right. Because like- of, of course Jack doesn't want to be a nurse. I mean... We've seen him be in nursing school for a couple episodes now, and he never shows any interest in it. Yeah, he's much more interested in the social aspect of it. He's much more interested in the fact that there are cute boys in nursing school. I mean, he's giving a speech because he's been voted most popular. Which, again, speaks to the lack of accreditation of this university. You don't give a speech to your most popular student. It's usually, like, the valedictorian. Someone who's done anything, really. But it, it fits the character so well, and it also fits the way the episode is framed. Because mm-hmm. so much of the plot of this episode is Jack is stressed out because he has to give a speech at this graduation ceremony. Uh-huh. And he's really upset because he doesn't know what to say. Yes. And Will keeps writing, like, all these great ideas for speeches and, like, coming up with all these different things. Some really good, some really bad. And none of them really moves Jack. hmm And Will kind of tries to encourage Jack to, like, speak from the heart and explain... Mm-hmm why he got into nursing and his reasoning is very jack his reasoning is that he saw a cute boy in a nursing (laughs) uniform and he followed him into the bathroom then he leered at him and decided to go to nursing school so which will tries to contextualize as always interested in anatomy okay and inquisitive but you know like that's the fact is that's not who jack is he doesn't have a passion for nursing or helping people jack is the person who follows a nurse into the bathroom yes not the person who follows a nurse into your heart okay so there's another like side plot happening this week that i think we need to address because matthew seems to be embodying it (laughs) which is that will is also having an identity crisis of his own about whether or not he's a good writer well i mean obviously will's a good writer we have no proof of that. <laughs> we have no proof of that. We have no proof of that. Um, we've had some offhand comments about this before, and it seems like the Will and Grace writers have gotten some good feedback on it, mm-hmm. and they're willing to like flesh it out. So we finally see what has been alluded to in previous episodes 
uh, or rather, we hear what has mm. been alluded to in previous episodes, <laughs> which is Will's coming out play. Bye, bisexual. Bye, bisexual. <laughs> God bless. <laughs> it sounds the wordplay is quite nice. It. It sounds like what Tennessee Williams would have written if he was the sibling who had the lobotomy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, still really good for someone who got lobotomized, but not Tennessee Williams. No. Um, it has five pages of opening stage direction. Which most of them have to do with, like, some darkness on a chair. Um, it features... Uh, what was the other scene that we got to hear a little bit of? The bit where Will's character, whose name is like Chad, Chad is like talking to his father and he's like, of course, dad, I just haven't met anyone. But when I meet someone, I will make I sure to the introduce right you person. to them. <laughs> and then like interior then, monologue. Just like, because I'm gay, can't you see, damn it? <laughs> <laughs> And it takes Will a dra- a dramatized reading up until that point where he finally realized that, oh, he ain't so good of a writer. Like, it kind of sounds like, how can I describe this? It's, I, not to make a Tennessee Williams comparison again, but it's like a Tennessee Williams play where the characters don't know not to read the stage directions out loud. Yeah. You know, like, it's, it's that level of, like, so in your face and poetic and obvious. Yeah, it's like it's it's like too earnestly obvious. And there's like a really uncomfortable like me too element where Will's like, no, no, my professor told me it was great, especially when he invited me over to his house and everyone's For like, wine. yes, and everyone's like, Ugh. Ugh. and he's just like, oh no, yeah. So it's there's a miniature journey of self discovery that Will goes on in yes. this episode, and it plays a part in Jack's discovery mm-hmm. of self. And so, because Jack is very frazzled, and he's so frazzled about giving this speech that, first of all, he's completely forgotten the day of his graduation. In his mind, he thinks it is Sunday, but it is actually the day of this episode, which is Mm -hmm. Saturday. So, that's the start. Then he has nothing to wear, and he borrows one of Will's suits, and he's very upset to discover it is a bit tight on him. The suit doesn't fit. It's a metaphor. He's dressy. That's not a metaphor. He's just probably... Yeah, that's not a metaphor. That's just an explanation in the Uh episode. There's also a throwaway line about a surprise colonic, which is something that should never be a surprise. It seems like uh, Jack and Will really enjoyed it, though, which is... Okay. Okay. I I am not someone who um, enjoys anal plays, so I can't say that I would personally find the idea of a surprise colonic appealing, but how about you? I don't think a colonic is really anal play. I think it's just a colonic. But but you you know what a colonic is, No, I know what a colonic is, but I don't... I feel like Daddy, I need you to tell me what a colonic it's a, is. When they push the water in your butthole and the water comes it's, out. That's an enema. Well, isn't a colonic just an enema with a machine? Basically, yes. Yeah, okay. So it's a, it's well, a It mach- doesn't just naturally come out. There's no, like I mean, they suction. like suck it out with like a little vacuum. But something goes in your ass. Yeah, I understand. So there's still an element of anal play. Yeah, I mean, I guess, kind of. But I mean, it seems like it's kind of like medical. Like you wouldn't call a colonoscopy anal play. Well, no, because they numb you up for that. Uh, well, don't they numb you up for a colonic? No. Oh, why? Because it's a small tube. Well, I guess, but it just seems like... Do they numb you up for anal sex? It seems like it'd be polite. To numb you up for anal sex? No, for a colonic. (laughs) That would require a medical professional. 
Oh, that's true. <laughs> we all know people who provide colonics are not medical professionals. No, we actually know someone who runs a colonic clinic, uh-huh. like tangentially, and that is concerning. She is not a medical professional in any way. But she did once have stomach surgery in Mexico. Oh, it's all coming back around again. Anywho, so Jack is stress eating. He's not understanding what he's supposed to say in this. He can't speak from the heart because he is... You know, very stopped up in his heart about why he wanted to be a nurse. Well, and I think it works well because Will, you know, it's it kind of tricks you. Like, you don't realize that Jack is going to have the big journey of self-discovery. Because Will is so publicly being like, oh, no, I'm not a writer. No, I'll prove I'm a writer by writing Jack's speech. Yes, which is also some delightful um, fuckery on Jack's part where he basically, like, convinces Will to do it by making it seem like it's Will's own idea. Right. Which is amazing. Very beautiful. So they're in the limo, because Will has decided that the best way to write this speech is to procrastinate while we do it. So they're in the limo on the way to the ceremony, Mm -hmm. and Will is writing this speech, and he's really trying hard to draw from Jack's own experience, but Jack... But Jack doesn't have any experience. Because he's only been in nursing school for five months. And he doesn't even want to be there. He doesn't even want to be a nurse. He doesn't even go here. He doesn't even go here. He might not. Remember there was that brief time when he, like, dropped out of nursing school? That would have actually been kind of funny if, uh... It had been revealed that Jack had been going to the wrong nursing school the whole time. That would have been really funny. Um, but it, it's it's funny because Will is having such a collapse in his identity crisis of, I'm not a playwright, but he kind of like, gets a happy ending because he gets to write this beautiful speech. Yeah. It makes everyone in the limo cry. It's very moving. Um, of course, Jack never gives the speech. Yes. Which kind of undercuts his happy ending. Yes. Um, but there there are some, some beautiful metaphors that go into the speech about... Uh, you know, a dr- your dream is a bar of soap. You have to hold on to it tight. Yeah, which is actually not really how you hold on to soapy soap. You, if you hold on to it too tight, it slips to your fingers. Your fingers. Um, which is a different metaphor about dreams, I think. No, that's just one about butt stuff. Wow. Um, okay. Then the, the, there's another one about that your dream is a, a balloon, and then mm-hmm. Jack gets a little befuddled while he's giving the speech, and then suddenly his dream is a soapy balloon. I mean, it, dreams are kind of like soapy balloons. Dreams are like soapy balloons. They don't really make any fucking sense. Good point. Um, yeah, so, you know, Jack has this beautiful journey of self-discovery that kindly, kind of finally comes to a head while he is... Not the head that Jack usually enjoys. His no. dreams coming to. No, different head. Um, but he comes to a head as he's giving this speech. And he is reading the words, and you can just kind of tell. It's like when you're saying something that's a lie, and the words sort of taste like stale bread. Mm-hmm. And this is really meaningful for Jack, because Jack normally has no emotional response to lying. Yeah, at all. He quite enjoys lying, usually. So (laughs) his realization that he's lying, and that he doesn't want to be a nurse, is kind of, it comes out in this moment. It's really, it's, it's almost as poetic as Will's actual speech. Yeah. Because it is so great to see Jack, like, kind of realizing, like, oh yeah, like, I gave up my dream to be a nurse. And that doesn't really work for me. Yeah. I mean, like, and really, it doesn't make sense because Jack is a man of unlimited means in that he has Karen. Yes. Um, he is only good at acting. Ish. I mean, he, the only thing he's even close to good at is acting. Yeah. I mean, it it doesn't make sense why he, as a character, wouldn't be an actor. And yet, despite that fact, I have really enjoyed his nursing plotline. I think that it's an interesting journey of self-discovery of watching Jack sort of try on the idea of being more of a capable adult and, like... A more straightforward, acceptable yeah. by society way. It's like, because we never got, like... We didn't start watching Will and Grace when Jack was deciding to be an actor. So we were kind of robbed of that journey where Jack realizes, I want to be an actor, even though I have no talent. Mm-hmm. Whereas, 
by taking a step back and pushing him in a different direction, we're kind of getting a, an origin story for Jack, yeah. but in the wrong order, which we're, is kind of sadly fitting. Yes, but we also kind of get to watch him rediscover his love for acting. Like, mm-hmm. that's the thing he wants to do. The reason he wanted to give this speech had nothing to do with his love of nursing, everything to do with his love of attention. Mm-hmm. He likes it when all the eyes are on him, and one of the things that he found most frustrating about nursing is that the eyes are always on the patient. The patient is always the star, and that does not fly for Jack McFarlane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if Jack had become a nurse, we definitely would have, like, an episode of House where you've got, like, a nurse doing Munchausen by proxy or some shit. Like, Probably. He would have started, like, putting Elliot in the hospital. Ew. Really, those those plot lines kind of coming to a confluence Yikes. would become a very different kind of show. It got really dark in season nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so, um, but then there's also, like, a healthy dose of realism happening in the show. Um, we see Karen kind of, after he gives this whole speech about how he's not going to be a nurse anymore, Karen, you know, saying that she's proud of Jack, but she's also really glad he has a degree when this ultimately fails and he'll be able to get a job. Yeah, um, Karen kind of comes off like a really passive-aggressive, like, parent who's a lawyer here. This episode was full of Karen being extremely passive-aggressive in many ways. Like, a moment when she and Will are discussing how they're so proud of Jack for graduating, and they're like, I always thought he was kind of an idiot. Like... Yeah, Karen's characterization has been a little off the rails lately. Um, I don't know if you have, want to talk about that for a few minutes. Yeah, I mean, it sort of seems like they're not totally sure what's going on with Karen right now. Uh-huh. And I think that there's a couple of factors at play. I think one thing is honestly the absence of Grace to play off of is affecting her character. Uh-huh. When she's only existing in Will and Jack world, she gets a bit weird. Yeah. Um, she makes out with Will twice this episode. Yep. Like it's it's that's normally stuff she reserves only for Jack. Uh-huh. Um, so I think without having Grace there to play off of, they're just like a little uncomfortable and unsure with what to do with Karen. Yeah. Because she kind she needs someone to razz on, and because Grace isn't there, she's sort of like that's a good way to phrase it. Yeah. Like she needs someone to be mean to. Yeah, and since she can't be mean to Grace she's like kind of mean to everyone else but then also simultaneously really nice to everyone else yeah and last week we didn't have Rosario Rosario does show up briefly in this episode and that helps yes because Karen can then you know direct her meanness towards Rosario and like but then it it also manifests in weird ways it's not so targeted and pointed and instead it's just Rosario gets in the limo and she immediately throws her hoagie out the window and it's just like but why did you do this Karen and it's just like (laughs) I genuinely thought that was one of the funniest moments of the episode it was really funny but it was like very random it wasn't a normal Karen dressing down that's the thing is that Karen doesn't usually do random comedy very well. Yes. Karen is weird, but Karen is not random. People on the internet also seem to not understand this distinction. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Oh, boy. Um, I feel like I'm going to get a TED Talk later. <laughs> um, it's just, it's a different kind of comedy that Karen's doing. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I think we've talked about off mic is that Karen being in this relationship with Lyle is really shifting her character in some weird directions. Oh, yeah. I think that the the idea of her having a socially acceptable to show on screen partner mm-hmm. is kind of throwing some sort of wrench in the works here. And this is a problem that we faced in season two of The Revival as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, Karen's character, for better or worse, seems to work best when she has a romantic partner who isn't a part of the storyline. Yes. Who Whenever is, they it, bring in one, it always kind of ends weirdly. Yeah. So when you're when her partner exists in the periphery, who isn't physically ever part of the story, it makes for some good comedy. But when they try to bring Karen's partner into the fold, you get weird shit. You get stuff like Alec Baldwin's character showing up right. again. It's weird because the character has to... So normally Karen lives in kind of this nice middle ground where she's a little realistic, but not really that realistic. Like, she's Mm -hmm. just, like, a cartoon character interacting with 
three real life people, like Space she's, Jam. She's a rich white lady, so right. So she's a cartoon character. That's the sort of realism we're dealing with. But when you introduce a romantic plotline, Karen's character has to get pushed in two directions at the same time. Karen has to get more realistic because you have to believe that she's a person who you could have a real relationship with. Mm-hmm. It. But Karen's partner always has to be like super bonkers in one way or the other. Yep. You know, like is a crazy British man, is Alec Baldwin, is a lesbian. Like yes. it has to be like. Completely like, whoa, I cannot imagine Karen with that person. Right. Beca- like, because it- the conceit of her character is that you don't imagine her with anyone. Yes. She's with someone who you don't see. So having to be physically present for any sort of public display of her relationship doesn't really make sense. And then the show makes poor choices. Like giving her a really cool black lesbian girlfriend and then having Karen come around to think that she's straight. Right. But that's another episode entirely. Maybe there's some racial elements at play there. Oh, there absolutely is. Interesting. That's that's good. Let's file that one. Yeah, we're um, just going to put that in a thesis box and sit on it. <laughs> but I just, I think that, I don't know what is in the future for her and Lyle. I think next week must be her wedding to Lyle because they've been hinting at it for weeks and weeks. Um, I'm nodding. You can't see me, but I'm nodding. <laughs> it, it is next week. Um, and we'll, I guess we'll see how that develops. But obviously at some point... Um, you know, things change in that relationship and Karen goes back to being in a position where she is not in an on-screen romantic interest. And I'm curious to see how things develop at that point. Yeah. All right. Any dangling threads that we want to clip before we close up the episode? I never clip a dangling thread. I always pull on it until the entire shirt unravels. That explains a lot about you. <laughs> um, okay, one that I have is the uh, return of Nurse Sheila, the only other nurse in the Will and Grace universe. Yes, that's true. Um, you know, that really fucking bonkers ass nurse who dresses like it's the 1940s in like a sexy nurse costume, um, seems bad at her job, is very brusque. She's kind of like Nurse Ratchet if Nurse Ratchet had gotten like lost on the way to the cuckoo's nest. Yeah. And like just ended up just like running around in Times Square and was like, eh. I'll, like, be a sex worker for a little while, and then maybe go back to my first love of nursing. Yeah. Um, we saw her, I think, most recently when she played Jack's, Jack Black, who was a doctor's sister, uh-huh. and then they had, like, a weird sexual thing happening. But she's actually been around since, like, the end of season four, because she was the nurse that worked with Will and Grace when they were planning on having a baby. I'm pretty sure she was even the nurse who Grace was working with to donate blood all the way back in season one. You're right. It might be the same nurse. I think it might be her. So Uh, she's basically like the third most frequently recurring character. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But like, she's been on the show for a long time. Yes. um, She's part of the fabric of their lives. She is. Like cotton. I hate you so much. I'm going to hate you with a soapy balloon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, so she shows up and she's also, she's like introducing Jack to give his speech, which begs the question, did she go to this bullshit school of nursing? I think she must be the dean of bullshit. (laughs) Nurse Sheila, dean of bullshit. Yeah. Oh, God bless. Um, yeah, there's that. There's also, um, some recurring bits about how Grace is just like the world's most low maintenance person and <laughs> when they're joking about how they haven't woken her up yet they're like ah she just runs some speed stick over her armpits and has a stick of trident and she's ready to go anywhere and that's great I want to be her <laughs> proud, of, you, proud of her for wearing deodorant but yeah I think otherwise that's uh that's it that's all so uh next week's episode is technically a two-part finale however mm-hmm. since the episode parts aired separately 
Um, I think we've decided we're going to talk about them separately. Yes. Is that so, still what you would like to do? Yes. So we are going to air the episodes separately as they aired on the telly. Yes. So we'll have a nice little cliffhanger, I imagine. Something very British, I hope. And I can't wait to do more of Matthew's British accent. Top of the morning to you. That's Irish. Well, it's not Irish either, but it's closer to Irish. It's stereotypically Irish. It's me approximating the Irish brogue. God, you're so bad at accents. Hot stars and horseshoes, clovers and blue moons, parts of golden rainbows, and the red balloon. That's Opie. <laughs> okay, that's it. Matthew, tell them where they can find us on the internet before I hurt you. <laughs> All right. Um, if you'd like to file a complaint with the Irish Cultural Alliance Bureau of Clovers, <laughs> please start by at replying us on Twitter. You can find us at Not A Couple Show. You may also complain about us on our Facebook page or by, uh, what's the one with Tumblr? Reblogging us on Tumblr? Is that what the people on the Tumblr do? Yes. Um, you can send us in electronic mail. We can be found at notacouplepodcast at gmail.com. Or to really punish us, continue listening to us on our three sources. We are on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and Spotify. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, you've been a great audience, and we'll see you next week. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this is Bed Not a Couple. Bye. Bye. This week's episode of Not a Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat. Eliza, I'm sorry you are so warm. This week's episode was sponsored by... Dreams. Dreams. They're like Sophie Balloons.